Join me in a word of prayer. Father God, we come to you today, Lord, seeking your word for us. As we look at the passage this morning, Lord, and we read the words that Peter wrote to a church long ago, Lord, they are straightforward, but they are difficult, Lord, and I pray that your spirit moves in our hearts, Lord, that the words I say are not my own, but they are yours, Lord, and they go out and they Convict us where we need to be convicted. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged, Lord. That through this time together, through our gathering, we may be better equipped to love you, to serve you, and to give you glory and honor. Amen. Before we look at the passage this morning, I have to share a little bit about myself. Um, I'm a convenience eater, which means... Given the choice of spending a minute and a half to put a hot plate or hot pocket on a paper towel and eat that compared to an hour making something healthy nutrition, I will almost always pick the hot pocket to my detriment. And I share that because two or three months ago, Sarah's family, my wife's family, was here visiting for Christmas. And the, the day we were going to have our big family meal celebrating Christmas, Sarah had something to do. So she puts the prime rib in the oven and starts giving me directions. And says, after two hours, you do this, and so and so and so and so. I'm going to be honest. I wasn't really listening. Because I was like, surely she'll be home in two hours. I don't need to know any of this. Well, two hours, come and go. Sarah's not back. And I start wondering, what was I supposed to do? What were those directions? Thankfully, um, I had some other family members there who do like to cook and bake and kind of knew what to do. And maybe were listening a little better than I was. So we worked it all out. But the fact is I share all of that this morning because I'm going to read a passage. And at the first word, many of you will say, oh, I can tune out. This isn't for me. And I would say, no, you need to listen because this passage is for all of us. Peter is writing, um, directing his passage at wives, but the Holy Spirit is instructing all of us through God's word. So as we open the passage this morning, don't tune out. We're going to get to some application, some ways that this impacts your life. And I don't want you to go, how did we get here? Why am I not listening? Why am I paying attention? But to recognize that God's word speaks to all of us, no matter where we are, who we are in our seasons of life. So with that, let's look First Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. It says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be hidden, be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything. That is frightening. So as we turn to this passage this morning, uh, to throw out the main point there, God's desire for you is to adorn your heart by living in submission. God's desire for you is to adorn your heart by living in submission. And we're going to work through this passage this morning, see what it has to say to us and see how it applies to us. But as we do that, we need to look at it right away. It starts with the word likewise. Likewise, wives. 
And so we have to connect this back to what Jake preached last week, where the connection of submitting to those who are put in authority above us. And I won't rehash all of that sermon, but basically we have to connect it back that we are told by Peter in the previous section to be subject to every human institution and to the emperor, the governors sent to punish those. And we do this. We live as people who are free, not using our freedom to cover up evil, but as servants of God. We submit to those in authority. Peter's connecting this passage directed to women, directed to wives, back to that. And so as we look through this, this first section of the passage is talking about submission for the gospel's sake. For the sake of the gospel, we submit. This helps us to place the passage correctly. Peter's not singling out women here. He's not singling out wives to manipulate them or subjugate them or belittle them. In fact, I would argue that Christianity is, is the one religion that lifts women up to their rightful place that God made them in his image. Equal but different from man. And by connecting this passage to the previous one, Peter's reminding us that we as believers, we are to live a life of submission. That it's not just wives submit to your husbands, it's believers submit to the authority as we submit to Christ. That we all are living a life of submission. We are subject first to Christ, then to those placed in authority above us, and finally to those who are in our most intimate marital relationships. I do appreciate the ESV wording of this. I think it softens it a little bit for our culture and our understanding of, of the words. The NIV is a little harsher, but the ESV, again, it says, wives be subject to your husbands. NIV says, wives, in the same way, submit to your husbands. And the CSB, wives, submit yourself to your own husbands. We as a culture don't like the word submit. And one of the quickest ways I could get all of you to turn tune me out and raise your blood pressure and get ready for a fight is just to say, wives, submit and not carefully read and work through the passage. As a man standing up here telling wives to submit, be a difficult place to win that battle. The reason for this is because in our sinful fallen state, men and authorities have often taken and used and misused, abused this command from the Apostle Peter. And when they want their way, they say, the Bible says to submit, so you're going to submit. And they misuse the word of God here. However, just because Satan has twisted this and Satan has taken this beautiful exhortation from the Apostle Peter it does not, and, and used it for his own means to manipulate harm and batter women, does that, that does not give us the right to ignore or change what the passage is trying to say to us. So we need to look at the passage and, and what does it mean? What does it say when it tells Wives, in the same way, subject yourselves to your husbands. When done correctly, the submission is the most beautiful example that believers can present to the world. When we correctly submit to one another in our marriage relationships, when wives submit to their husbands as their husbands submit to Christ, it is the most beautiful picture that we can present to the world about how Christ loves his church and loves his children. In submission, we as believers connect with Christ in action and deed in a manner that we can do in no other way. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Christ submits to the Father's will. It says, Have this word among yourselves, in which, for your, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, 
being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Christ submitted to the Father as our great example. He gave himself up for his bride. As the bridegroom, he gave his life in submission. In a similar manner, we can go to Ephesians 5 and Paul talking to husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Whenever I have the chance to do marital counseling, I spend a moment and I look the bridegroom, the man in the eyes, and I say, do you know what you're signing up for? You are signing up for a life of daily giving up your desires, your needs, your wants for your wife. You are giving your life up for her. I connect both these things. Christ submitting to the Father, going to the cross. Husbands giving their lives up, placing their lives down for their wives. I submit both of these things, these ideas, as we get in the passage today, because I don't want this to be a message where the man comes up and tells the woman to submit because that's what the passage says. We follow along in the submission. We all are submitting. And it can be a beautiful thing. So Christ submits to the Father. Husband submits to Christ and follow the example by giving his life for his bride. When we see these two examples, we see that Peter isn't laying down some extreme guideline for women, for wives. He's just simply outworking what Christ has already done for us in a natural progression into our Christian marriage. So Christian marriage submission is a natural response for what Christ has already done in your heart. And so if you find yourself this morning still getting higher blood pressure, bristled a little bit, worked up because you don't like this passage, you want to tear this page out of your Bible, look to the example of Christ. What has he done but submit to the Father for our good and for God's glory? When a husband loves his wife as Christ loves the church, it will be a joy for the wife to submit. When a husband loves his wife as Christ loves the church, she will be happy and joyful and grateful to follow his lead because the wife knows that her husband loves her and that his only and every intent is to give everything he has for her. Obviously, this is the ideal. I can't stand up here and say that I am that husband nearly as much as I need to be. Neither can any of the men in this church as godly as they may be, stand up here and say, I am always this person. Because sadly, sin has wrecked havoc on the ideal. Men have used this verse to abuse and control, manipulate and destroy marriages. And so I want to say, caveat, that in some cases it's necessary for a believing wife to put distance between herself and her husband for safety and protection. That is a reality in our sinful world, as horrible and awful as it is. And that we as the church can't stand there and say, no, you as a wife need to submit to this abuse, this manipulation. That there are times when we as a church need to stand in and say, no, it is good and right for this woman to separate from her husband for a time in hopes that her husband will come to repentance and realization of his sin. 
And so in those cases, the church must. We are called to protect and care for her while we plead with the husband to repent. However, I would say in most cases, Scripture is calling the wife to persevere through her husband's sinfulness. That we, as husbands, we as men, are sinners, and we often live in that sin. And Peter here is calling the wives to submit and persevere through that. And why is he doing that? Well, let's get back into the passage. Why is he calling the wives to submit? He said, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that even if some disobey, Sorry, I'm reading another translation, but it's going to mess us all up. <laughs> so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Peter answers the question of why by saying that through submission, they can bring their husband to a better understanding and living of the word. So certainly this applies to a woman who's married to an unbeliever. With this, well, Often we take this passage to that point. That in the early church, women came, they, they heard the gospel, they believed the gospel, and yet their husband remained pagan worshipers or Jewish men. And Peter is admonishing these women to live out their faith, live out their love for their husband through their actions, through submission. Saying that through your actions, through your submission, your husband may be one to the faith. But I believe this passage also applies into Christian marriages. That it's not just talking specifically to a woman married to a non-Christian man, but it applies in Christian marriages because, like I said, men are sinful. And in an honest moment for you from me often in my life, even though I would like to say this is not true, often in my life I live in a way that's not in obedience to the word. That sin, despite Christ's work in me, all that he has done, still sin still has a hold on me and I daily have to put that to death. And I would say to all of you out there, often in your life, if you're honest, you're not living in a way that's obedient to the word. That there are places that sin has a hold of your life that unless you daily intentionally put it to death, it will grab you and pull you back into that pit. And I would say Peter is giving here wives a wonderful ability to point out these areas in their husband's life through godly behavior and submission. So I know from experience, 15 years of marriage, I know that there are times that Sarah bluntly and truthfully has verbalized my flaws. And I, I probably needed to hear it. But the reality is in those 15 years, often when she bluntly and truthfully verbalizes my flaws, I often follow with, yeah, but, and we get into an argument because you want to throw a flaw at me, I'll throw a flaw at you. Never a good road to go down. In pride, I hear the criticism. I want to defend. I want to deflect. And then I want to tear her down. And I'll say it's wrong. It's harmful. But that's often how it goes when you put two sinners together for life. However, I will say there are moments when Sarah has modeled godly behavior for me that has brought me back to God's word and godly living through her actions. An example of this, um, before we were married, so 
I, I, I've said this, I, I, my dissertation, I said this, I would not have been able to do this without Sarah, and that wasn't just a platitude. It was a reality that she modeled godly behavior for me that got me to the point that I could do what God has asked me to do in education. Because before we were married, I was an average student who regularly skipped class because I could and I wanted to, and my grades suffered. And you could rightly have said, you are not doing school as if to the glory of the God, you're not doing it for God. And yet that's who I was. But early in our marriage, I watched as my wife, Sarah, went to every class. She read every book. She stayed up late studying. And she did her very best on every exam, every paper. She might have said a word here or there, but she never laid into me for my habits and my behavior. My behavior was wrong and hers was right. And over time, by her obedience... I was won over to what I should do. And that impacted my schooling all the way through the very end. And I was able to accomplish much more through her example. I was not obeying obeying the word, but I was won to the word by the conduct of my wife. So I'll say here, Peter's words are difficult. The reality is marriage is the most difficult relationship to display Christ in. It's easier to just go off, to say your words, to lay into your spouse, tell them what they need to hear. But Peter calls wives to respond differently. Not to nag, not to be blunt, not to be direct, but to show through actions godly living, godly living so that their husbands may see it and respond. He calls wives to love your husband through your conduct, which is pure and through your respect, what your husband craves. So Peter has explained to us now why we submit, why wives should submit, and now he's going to give us some how. So in, in the second part, part, we're going to contrast the outer versus the inner adorning. The outer versus the inner adorning of Christian living. So Peter states this, verse 3, do not let your adorning be external. What does this mean? Do not let your adorning be external. Well, in Peter's day, he tells us what it means. He says that they shouldn't braid their hair, wear gold or gold jewelry or other fine clothes. Basically, he's telling the women that to be careful about being in fashion or to be appealing by braiding your hair and putting on gold jewelry. Peter is saying these are examples of being more concerned on what's on the outside. He's not laying down some law for the church to follow at all times that if you were to walk into redemption and have braided hair, one of the elders is going to pull you aside and say, you need to unbraid your hair. First Peter 3, let's go there. He's not laying down a law like that. We have to discern what external adorning means in our day and in our culture. And so what I am not going to do is set down all the rules for what it means to externally adorn yourself today. What I will do is give you, hopefully, some guidelines and help in this area. We have to discern what it looks like. In fashion, uh, the way we dress, wearing the latest trends, let's be honest, often sexualizes men or women and girls in a way that's not honoring to the image that God has made them in. And so I say this, the only thing I think I can say is women and girls in the room this morning, 
that if you are putting on an outfit because you know or because you hope that it will catch a man's attention, you have probably crossed over into external adornment. That when you buy an outfit, pick out an outfit, if in your mind you are thinking, I hope so-and-so notices or so-and-so's group, you've probably crossed the line. And that's going to change. What that line is is going to change all the time, depending on whatever the latest fashion is. But you have to self-monitor. What am I thinking? What is the purpose of wearing this? What kind of attention am I hoping to get? And I would say today, today more than ever, Christian women can visibly display their devotion to Christ and to their husband, even if it's a future husband, they can, care, they can display this by carefully choosing clothing that doesn't highlight their figure, but instead points to their heart. And I say all this knowing that I have now a four-year-old, six-year-old daughter at home, and it gets harder and harder to pick out clothes, and it will get harder and harder. I know one day the conversation will come, you're not wearing that outside of this house And I pray that her heart is in a position to submit to my leadership. As I pray that for all the young women here, that when your dad or father says, no, we can't wear that, we can't buy that, you will submit because he loves you and cares for you. So external adornment in fashion. But I also say I I think we can look at external adornment in possessions. If you'll allow for a moment, expand this discussion, because I think we adorn our lives with things beyond our clothing. And consider for yourselves, how do you adorn yourself in your house and in your car, in your technology, the things you post online for the world to see? All of this external adornment, trying to prop yourself up in this picture of who you are, who you want people to think you are. It's easy to get caught up in decorating our lives with this stuff, to try and display to the world, I'm all right, everything's okay. And yet, we often... Neglect the adorning that the Lord cares about that Peter points to here in verse 4. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. Don't get caught up in chasing the things that the world says that you need. Whether it's fashion or clothing or homes or cars or technology or whatever that may be. Look at your heart. That is what God cares about. That is his concern. That is where true beauty, beauty unperishable is found. Matthew 6, Jesus tells us, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither spin or toil. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in his glory is not arrayed as one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, won't he, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, into the oven, won't he much more clothe you? God's going to clothe you. It may not be in the latest trends and fashions and all the things that get a lot of likes on Facebook or Twitter. He's going to provide for those things. So let God worry about those things so that you can help focus on your heart. So through the work of the Spirit, we can find rest from the poles of the world. The world will tell us, it'll tell women specifically now, to be strong, to fight for your fair share. And yet here in the passage, we see that the Lord is looking for those women with a gentle and quiet spirit. And he says that they are very precious. So to think about this for a minute, what matters more to you? What matters more to you? Are you more interested in how many likes or reactions 
you can get from the world? Are you continually consumed by thoughts of what you want and or need? Next. Or are you more interested at what the Lord sees when he looks at your heart? If we're more concerned about the first two points, the likes and reactions, the continual wants or needs, then we are probably externally adorning our lives. But if we are more concerned about what the Lord sees, then we are pursuing the imperishable eternal adorning that only the work of God can do. So again, remember, God, the main point, God desires for us to adorn our heart by living in submission. We've seen why we do this. We've seen how we can do this when we check ourselves and if we're adorning externally or internally. And now Peter's going to show us and the passage with some examples for us to follow, godly examples to follow. Verse 5 and 6. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So think about this for a moment. In the past, women, Peter calls them holy women, lived their lives without access to all of God's word, without access to the vast multitude of resources we have, the books we can read, the helps we can have, the groups we can gather in. They lived their lives without this access. And yet Peter says they adorned their lives, became holy women through simply submitting to their husbands. We have access to all these things, availability. We have all of God's word. And yet Peter's still pointing to us, adorn our lives through submission. Peter points to the example of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham, our spiritual father, and Sarah are commended for their faith. You look at Hebrews 11, and they're commended for their faith. And yet, you look at the example of Abraham. He makes some pretty terrible decisions in regards to his wife. Genesis 12. Genesis 20, Abraham instructs his wife Sarah to tell people that she is his sister to the point where she is pulled out of his home and put in the home of another man. Can you imagine that conversation in your home, in your marriage? Honey, they might hurt me, so just lie for me. It's not going to go well. You're going to get hurt before the conversation even ends. But Abraham puts his own needs and his own concerns before that of his wife. He's not living according to the word. The word that was even revealed to him at that point. He's not living according to the word. And yet, we see Sarah subject herself to her husband. And not once, but twice, God steps in in a miraculous, mighty way to protect his child over the sinfulness of Abraham. So will God always intervene when the husband's out of line? Certainly not. But yet Peter calls wives to follow their example because they can rest in the care of the Lord. This leads us to the final statement Peter makes in the passage. He says, ending here, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening, Submission. When wives submit to their husbands, 
when we submit to the will of God, it is showing that despite the fact that there's sin rampant in our world and there's sinfulness in our husband and our husband's going to make mistakes, you as the wife are saying that your trust is in the Lord to carry you through. So again, God's desire is for you to adorn your life by living in submission. God desires this and he is going to see you through. How do we apply this though? Again, I told you I was going to apply it not just to wives, which the passage is talking to specifically. I look at this passage and it's kind of like Peter is talking to wives, but it's when the pastor calls all the kids forward in the church to give a little children's message. And he's talking to the children, but you know his message is for everyone. Peter's talking to the wives, but he knows the husbands and the single men and the single women. They're listening, and the Spirit of God will speak to them as well. But let's apply this specifically to each group. Wives, um, this is certainly easiest for you to see. How does this passage apply? But I would say hardest to apply. Because I know many of the men in this congregation. I know the things that we're capable of saying and doing and demanding. And yet, you are called to submit to us. And it's hard. A straightforward reading of the passage. Subject yourself to your husband. Adorn your inner self with a quiet and gentle spirit. Straightforward, but hard. And you'll spend your lifetime in that pursuit because the world is going to tell you to be your own woman. Stand up to that man. Be independent. Be strong. And yet God is telling you to submit and be gentle and peaceful. Good luck, wives. That's your application. Husbands, I just want you to think for a moment. If you're a husband here today or hope to be in the future, are you living in a way that it is easy for your wife to submit? Think about that question. Are you living in a way that it's easy for your wife to submit? Do you daily put to death your sinful desires so that you can serve Christ and love your wife? When you make decisions about how you spend your time and your money and your energy, do you hear your wife out patiently, carefully, gently to see her concerns, get her input in those decisions? Or do you just bulldoze ahead saying, submit because Peter said to? Love your wife by submitting to Christ and giving yourself up for her. Love your wife by submitting to Christ and giving yourself up for her. And when you do this, she will joyfully follow you anywhere. If you submit to Christ and you love her more than yourself, she will follow you to the end of the world and do it with joy in her heart. Single women, this is what I have to say for you. Submission is not easy. So prepare your heart for it now. I can guarantee you 
that getting a husband will not fix the issues in your life. And in fact, they will compound your issues. So get ready. Prepare your heart now. Prepare by submitting to the Lord. If you are still in a Christian home under the subject of your father, submit to him because he loves you and is seeking to protect you, even if some of his rules seem ridiculous. Submit. If you are on your own, as I know many of you are, if you are on your own, seek out a godly couple and watch them and see how the wife subjects herself to her husband and how the husband loves his wife and gives himself for her. And if possible, ask to be invited in that home regularly so that you can see the ups and downs of submission and love and sinfulness in a marriage so that you can prepare your heart. Additionally, beyond this, I would say be vigilant in the fight against external external adornment. And I say this because if you use external adornment to catch a husband, you are going to spend your life constantly fighting to keep his attention. And I wouldn't wish that on any of you. Because sadly, the world will always offer him something else. And one day, you will not want to keep fighting, and he will be gone. So adorn your heart. Patiently wait for the Lord to bring a man who can see you for who you are. Your warts and your all and all of that entails can see you for who you are. He can love you and cherish you as Christ loves and cherishes the church. He can protect you and lead you as Christ protects and leads the church. Do not give in to the world's ideas of how to find a godly spouse. Adorn your heart and submit to the Lord. Finally, to single men, as we wrap up, I'm not going to read this all to you, but I, I tell you, turn to Proverbs 7. Turn to Proverbs 7, middle of the passage. I'm going to summarize some of this, but from the window, the right of the Proverbs, he says, I looked out through the lattice and I've seen among the simple, I perceived the use, a young man lacking sense. And behold, a woman meets him dressed as a prostitute. She is loud and wayward and her feet do not stay home. Basically, she tells the young man, come, let us make or take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight in ourselves with love. For my husband is not home. He's gone on a long journey. And what happens? All at once he follows her as an ox goes to slaughter, as a stag is caught fast till the arrow pierces his liver, as a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know that it will cost him his life. So if you are a single man this morning, Ask the Lord to protect your eyes from the external adornment of the world and give you eyes to see the heart. Seek a wife who is gentle and quiet in her spirit, who loves the Lord and seeks only to please him. And so instead of losing your life, being like the ox to slaughter, instead of losing your life, you can gain what Proverbs 31 says, a wife who is more precious than jewels. Remember the main point, the message, God's desire is for you to adorn your heart by living in submission. God's desire for us is to adorn our hearts by by having us live in submission. So we submit to Christ. 
no matter whether you're a husband, a wife, single, man or woman, we submit to Christ and Christ must be the Lord of our life, our only hope for salvation. And when we submit to him, his spirit will start the work of adorning our heart with imperishable beauty. Submit to Christ. Do it today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And thank you for Peter's writing that, although it seems simple and straightforward, Lord, we will spend our lives pursuing living in this truth. And I pray this morning, I pray for the husbands who are here, Lord. I pray that they live lives that are easy for their wives to submit to, that they lead, protect, and love their lives or their wives more than their own life. Pray for the wives here that they can follow what this passage says and be subject to their husbands, Lord, putting their trust in him through you. And Lord, through that, they can model godliness and goodness and gentleness and peace for not just their husbands, but for all who are watching their marriage. Lord, for the men and the women here who have not yet covenanted together with another person in marriage, Lord, I pray that you protect them in this world that feeds so many lies in this area, Lord. Protect their eyes, protect their hearts, Lord, that they, when they do, if they do get to that place where they are standing in front of a group of people committing their life to someone, they are committing to someone who is going to love them more than themselves, and they are committing to someone who has submitted to Christ Lord, again, thank you for these words. Help us to apply them into our lives for our good and for your glory. Amen.